0: We went, a, we went along this one. Um, it's called Cliffhanger Road. It's like you see it in the videos with the trucks, like the most dangerous road in the world. It's right. Like I that. think
1: it is the most dangerous road in the world. Yeah,
0: i right. one of those videos, and I'm like, I want to go there. And I'm scared of heights, and so, so is my buddy Chris, and I don't really know what we were thinking, but we went anyway, and, and I'm there, and I'm going, <laughs> it's like four in the afternoon, and the town we got to get to still a couple hours up the road, the dirt road, and we just did it.
1: Coming to you from the heart of America, this is the Adventure Motorcycle USA podcast. On each episode, we'll talk with industry insiders, experienced adventure riders, ADV creators, and moto fabricators. With a passion for adventure and a penchant for two-wheel travel, we explore the stories of those behind the adventure motorcycle world. Hey guys, Matt here. In this episode, Terry and I catch up with Simon Cudby, who has photographed and ridden with some of the best adventure riders on the planet. From Chris Birch to Quinn Cody, Simon is known for his mind-blowing action shots that have graced more than 175 magazine covers. He shot for such companies as KTM, Fox Racing, MSR, and Alpine Stars, just to name a few, and was co-founder of Upshift Online. More recently, Simon was part of the team that photographed and rode the Wyoming BDR, and his new project, OffRoadUnderground.com, is filled with awe-inspiring adventure riding photography. Chances are, if you've ever flipped through a magazine covering motocross or adventure riding, you've seen Simon's work. Born outside of London and raised in the southwest of England in Cornwall, Simon's youth was filled riding skateboards and idolizing the California skate culture. After high school, he thought his interest would lead him into architecture, until an uncle introduced him to the world of photography. And After seeing photographers at an F1 race in England, Simon knew at some point he wanted to marry his interest behind the lens with a growing action sports scene. But that dream would have to wait a few years. After two more years in school studying the technical side of photography, Simon left England for America where he found a job as a photographer with a cruise line and where he met his wife, a vacationing passenger on one of those ships. After relocating to California and taking various jobs shooting for companies like GT Bicycles, In the mid-90s, Simon got a break and started shooting motocross and supercross races with his work landing on the cover of leading MX magazine, Racer X. For the next 20 years, Simon would hone his craft, becoming one of the most sought-after photographers in the sport. However, in 2013, after years on end of traveling the MX circuit, Simon was burned out and looking for a change. And that's when the world of adventure riding came into full frame. I got a
0: good friend in England, Chris Modell, and I used to work with him. Many many moons ago, uh, when we were in our early twenties in the Caribbean on cruise ships, and that was right. that was quite quite an adventure right there. But um, we actually reconnected on Facebook, and I think one of the trips I went to England maybe 2013, like you say, and I, we we reconnected, and he met my wife and I were on a trip, and Chris says, "Oh, I'll just ride my bike out and meet you," and I didn't know what kind of bike he was on or anything. I was fully in motor in the motocross world, you know. Yeah, And Chris rolled up on a older BMW, like GS850, I think, with the big metal bags and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, that is the coolest bike I've ever seen. And <laughs> at the same time, I had just started watching Long Way Round. And um, just seeing the camaraderie between those guys and the, the exotic places that they went um, was, was really inspiring. I mean, I, I would spend my time, you know, people would tell me, oh, you get to travel all the time. It's like, well, I see... The inside of an airplane, the airport, hotel, a stadium, and then reverse order, and then I'm back home again. You know, right? Right. I got to go to places, but I never saw anything except the inside of a stadium. And yeah. and I'm I'm not I have nothing bad to say about anything of my career with Supercross and Motocross and, and Davey Coombs and Eric Johnson from Racer X and all the people there. I mean, I I owe them everything. Yeah, great
1: great people. Great. And Davey
0: Davey and Eric still. We talk all the time. They support me to this day. I still do some stuff for Racer X off and on, so uh, yeah, but it's good. But they, yeah, that that pivotal moment was watching Long Way Round. No doubt about that.
1: Did you run out and get a bike, uh, adventure bike, right after that, or? <laughs> well, I did. I was like,
0: <laughs> I would look at bikes and be like, oh, what? And, you know, I didn't really know much about it, and uh, yeah. I actually had ne- I didn't even have my street license. I hadn't ridden a motorcycle on the road much. I was, you know, I used to go to the track, and I was average you know, average beginner guy, you know, sort of get a bike and go ride with your buddies at Lake Elsinore or whatever on a, on a Saturday or try and go midweek or something. But yeah, I'd never been on the street. So it was a bit daunting for me. And then, um, I knew the guys at KTM because I was, they were one of my clients and they have sort of a, you know, a media department where they give bikes to magazines for for a period of time to do tests and that kind of stuff and i hit them up i'm like hey do you have a ktm 1190 adventure by any chance that i could buy and they did so i i my wife took me over to ktm over the hill and i was living in california at the time she she drove me over the hill over ortega highway and we picked the bike up and i rode it home and i was just like that you know i had my life at that point but that was like a bit nerve-wracking to be honest
1: (laughs) that's (laughs) a big (laughs) bike. bike From that, uh, I mean, so you're you're living in Southern California. Did you immediately start to to kind of plot the the first trips or the the first adventure?
0: Yeah, um, I had a couple of friend, some friends in California here. Um, my buddy TC Corbett, and then my other buddy Todd Hoffman. And I would see those guys at Supercross in the stands, and I'd go talk to them. I used to work with them back in the '90s at GT Bicycles, and they were good yeah. friends. And actually, Todd Hoffman was the guy that got me into motocross. Uh, back in the day introducing me to a, a couple people and those guys would would go to Baja every year sort of around Thanksgiving and every time I'd see them I'm like I want to I want to go with you guys sometime well I finally got a bike and that that was my first trip down to Baja was on the 1190 with, with those guys and I just remember it was just so much fun and you know being around the um, competitive side of motorcycle cycling for my whole career in photography it was nice to actually go and do something. I mean, you want to go, you want to go fast and you want to do all that stuff, but just cruising along, looking around and seeing new places and, and hanging out and sort of reconnecting with your old buddies who also like to do that was, was really cool.
1: Yeah. I, I heard you mention one time, you know, when you're at the track and you start to get older, you, you start to leave just full of disappointment that, yeah. that you yeah. can't, you can't go as fast as you used to, or you can't jump or you're, you're, you're pissed at yourself because you didn't take that double or whoop or, or whatever. And and all that goes away when you're out, you know, in a non-competitive environment. Still wanting to go fast and and you know blow your hair back a little bit, but yeah. at the end of the day, sitting around a campfire with some beers and and talking about the scenery.
0: Well, when we started riding motocross, I mean, I was 30 when I got my first bike, so I yeah. I was a complete novice. I mean, I'd ri- I'd ridden mountain bikes and that and and road bikes, bicycles, not not road bike motorcycles, but um, yeah, you know, we'd go to the vet track and. You know, our learn, learning curve was pretty steep and we'd, we'd be able to jump everything you know within a within six months i was doing okay you know and then sort of your skill level kind of <laughs> flattens off a little bit and uh but but that's you know that's backing like back in like the late 90s and now you go to fox raceway down the road here in california and even the vet track has some bigger stuff on and you're like yeah. you know the last time i went there I was like, man, there's a couple of things. I'm but like, I'm nah, not I doing really that. want to jump that, but I, I don't really <laughs> want to jump it, you know. So, uh, but I think, honestly, you know, the vet tracks in California, anyway, they've got bigger over the last 20 years for sure. Yeah. So yeah, you, you know, it's definitely definitely um, still challenging to to go ride those tracks.
1: I've watched some videos of you riding, uh, specifically, uh, I think on the 790 launch in Morocco in the sand dunes. <laughs> and I'm am, I'm amazed that you started riding at 30. Well, because because you're extremely competent. Well, uh, that was a, that rider. was a kind
0: of freak accident if I am if I'm honest about that one. So the sto- the story goes um with that one. So I'm I'm buddies with Quinn Cody down at KTM and my other buddy Randy Commons, he works for Maxima. He's a extremely proficient adventure bike rider. He used to race motocross and he's just one of those guys that you come to a sand section. And for me, I sort of lock up and he just rips through it, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean the Morocco thing, I think I got sick the night before I was jet lagged out. I had like one hour's sleep and then we get up in the morning. I felt so bad. And, um, Chris Birch, who's, you know, from New Zealand, he was there as well with Quinn and Chris hands me a handful of, uh, was it activated charcoal yeah. pills, Yeah. Like, to, he's like, these will help you. So I said, how many should I take? And he's like, all of them. So I, I downed those. And I had like a half a slice of toast for breakfast because I was just, I felt awful. But once we got on the bike and got out, got out in the fresh air, I was like, man, I feel pretty good. Yeah. And we cut into this one sand section because I was used to riding sand on my, I had a 1090 at the time, which is still a big bike with the weight yeah. up pretty high, obviously. Yeah. And then we got in the sand and I'm like, screw this. And I just pinned it and somehow I didn't drop it and I I did okay. And then you did more than okay. Well, I I passed one European journalist. I was quite (laughs) proud of that one. (laughs) But I I couldn't go any slower because I would have fallen over. So that was right. Yeah. That's that's certainly. So how was the,
2: the first trip down to Baja on your 1190 in the sand?
0: We didn't really do much of it, to be honest. You know, the crew that we were with, you know, the, my, my, I say my friend Todd Huffman, he was on a big uh, Super 10 array, like a big one, like a 1200 I think it was or something. And my other buddy TC was on a older 990 and he rides really well as well. But we just sort of cruised it and we didn't really do much, anything much more technical than uh, um, sort of faster, hard pack gravelly fire road kind of stuff, you know. But as the years went on, we definitely got ourselves into some stuff and especially when you start taking guys like Chris Parker from Rottweiler, who thinks, hey, there's a little dry, dry creek crossing over there. Well, we're, we're going up the whole creek. We're not going across the creek. We're going up <laughs> the creek and there's no water in it. So now it's just sand. So that was definitely challenging on, on big bikes.
1: So you're riding, uh, you know, these adventure bikes for a couple of years. And at what point are you, does the light bulb go off and you're like, you know what, I, I want to do this, you know, yeah, per, you know, I, I want to th- go all in on this?
0: As my, uh, not my interest, but I think as my motivation to, to travel every single weekend to the races was starting to Peter out a little bit. Um, I still wanted to be obviously involved in motorcycles and photography. And, you know, as I mentioned, racer X has always been there for me. So Davy oh. Coombs was supportive of me trying something else. And one of my friends back then, Chris Glassbell, um, he was a art director for Yoshimura. And he, I'd worked with him a little bit when he worked for Suzuki's agency and we were on a mountain bike ride one day. And I think Chris was on a bit of a burnout too. And I definitely was. And I said, Hey, what about adventure bikes? He's like, yeah, that'd be cool. So we started, um, Upshift online. And, uh, as of, as of September of 2021, I'm, I'm no longer with those guys, but I've had some good times and done some great trips.
1: I think you guys moved to Idaho uh, to do that. I think your daughter, right. Is, is living up there. Yeah. She, uh, um,
0: my daughter, she's a photographer for Western power sports. So yeah, we moved up there and, um, you know, my wife had said, Hey, we, if Shannon, Shannon wasn't there, we wouldn't have gone, you know, but, right. uh, but we went and we gave it a try and we still have a house there and we, we basically live there full time, but I come down to California more often these days. Um, sure. For work and for trips and that kind of stuff.
1: And in that, in that five or six year, your period, I mean, you're taking some, some pretty cool trips.
0: Definitely. I mean, you know, the highlight got to be the India trip that we did in 2018 with my buddy, Chris, who I was telling you about from England, who <laughs> the, the BMW GS. Yeah, the, guy. BMW guy, right? yeah. Yeah. We had a fantastic time, but.
1: How long were you over there?
0: Um, I think probably 10 or 12 days. Okay. And, and, uh, uh, this guy Dale Stucker is the facilities manager for for WPS in in Boise, and his daughter had married an Indian guy uh, that she met on a back tra- backpacking trip. And okay. Dale had been with his son Philip to India a few years before, and he kept hitting me up like, "Hey, we should go to India and go ride with Bilal, who's the Indian guy." And we we eventually did it, and it you know it was, it was myself and Dale from. From western power sports and then bilal who was the tour guy who who arranged these royal enfield himalayan bikes for us and then my buddy chris from england met me there and,
1: and what, uh, what are those things like 450s are they four, yeah, 400 uh, 400 cc yeah yeah and it's like
0: there's not much to that bike to be honest i mean it's yeah it's, it's very utilitarian motorcycle you know it's got not much in the way of bells and whistles and actually having it there we had those things fully loaded i mean we had yeah Bags all over them, and because uh, we were, we had no like support vehicles or anything. We were just doing it, and uh, yeah, they they were pretty loaded. And we went a we went along this one. Um, it's called Cliffhanger Road. It's like you see it in the videos with the trucks, like the most dangerous road in the world. It's right, like I that. think
1: it is the most dangerous road in the world. Yeah, right. well, yeah.
0: Seeing one of those videos, and I'm like, I want to go there, and I'm scared of heights, and so so is my buddy Chris, and I don't really know what we were thinking, but we went anyway, and you get to the beginning of this sort of, I guess it's like a five mile section and I'm there and I'm going, <laughs> it's like four in the afternoon and the town we got to get to still a couple hours up the road or road, road in quotes. You R- know, yeah. The, right. Yeah. The, the dirt road. And we just did it. And uh we, the next day we, we took off and the, the road was blocked. So we had to come back to that, that village that, that, that for a second night. And it, we kind of thought we might have to go back along the,
1: backtrack along road that same road,
0: yeah but we didn't so fortunately we went over this other mountain pass that actually was had some snow and stuff all over it but we were able to get through and we found out that that next day on the original route we should have gone but we got yeah. turned back that pass we were going to go over like cars were covered in snow and people were in their cars all night and i'm like oh my gosh there's just no way we would have ever got through there so it was kind of lucky that that, that, that that road we were on was, was washed away, you know? So we, we, we had to turn back and go over this other, this other mountain pass.
2: Simon, when you're doing these trips, do you plan for, you know, the, the media part of it, the photography and the video and all that when you're going on your trips?
0: I definitely have to come back with content, right? I mean, that's, that's the main, the main reason we go do these trips is to shoot photos and video. So, while i'm riding i'm constantly looking like oh that's a good shot that's a good shot that's a good shot and you start weighing up like okay is this good enough to stop because if you stop you got to get off park your bike get off your bike get your gear out you know, you know you're there for 20 minutes and that adds 20 minutes to the end of the day so you have to be really picky about what you're shooting um with that cliffhanger road thing we we went back and forth a little bit in the middle there and, and shot some stuff there and that, that worked out well. And we all you know, had a couple GoPros and that kind of stuff, but we found out you weren't allowed to take drones into India before we went, so that was good. So we, we didn't yeah. we didn't have any drones to, to use. But um yeah, when I'm riding I'm I'm always looking at you know, I'm trying to ride and I'm trying to like it's like fifty percent of my brain's in the photo realm and the other fifty is just trying to ride the ride the bike on the trail, you know. Do
2: you feel like yeah. you miss the, some of the experience and the and the views and landscapes and stuff so forth. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, yeah, I, I do miss some of that stuff. Next week we're going. I'm going down to Baja. I've got a 701 Husky, and my buddies are on like eight nineties and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, it, we're always trying to have fun, but you know, the, the, these trips that we go on, they're definitely definitely work work related related.
1: yeah yeah i've got to
0: come back with stuff
1: so you were in in moab last week right yeah doing some doing some shooting i think i saw some of that on your site it was that a a total work related trip i mean looks like everybody was was outfitted in alpine star uh adventure gear which looked pretty cool but were you shooting for them or were you shooting for some other group or can you say
0: oh no i can say yeah so you know um after my upshift thing ended for me I had a couple months to think about some stuff and um, I had some really good contacts in the industry. And one of them was the guys at Alpine stars. And um, I met with the owner and we talked about them wanting to promote their adventure bike gear in the States plus worldwide. I mean, they're, they're pretty big in Europe for sure. I mean, yeah. I went to a, a Intermont trade show, I think it was about five years ago now. And I went to the Alpine stars booth and when you think of Alpine stars, you think boots and, yeah. or, and, you know, and in the States now motocross gear, but, I went to their booth and maybe 20% of it was boots and the rest was adventure bike gear. And I I kind of didn't really know, you know, until that point that they had that much stuff. So connecting with those guys uh, for these trips I'm going to do this year has been really, really good. I also started a thing called Off-Road Underground, and it's really just a placeholder for content and stuff that I'm doing this year. Uh, Photos, videos, KTM guys are helping me with some stuff, like my buddy Quinn Cody, did an oil change on my 701. And that doesn't sound very exciting, but... Guys, people need to see how to change the oil in a 701.
1: As a a traditional photographer with YouTube, with Instagram, with, I mean, how much video content are you starting to shoot? And, you know, I, I watched that oil change. I don't even have a 701, but I watched it because I was, A, it was shot really well. And, you know, the worst thing in the world is to try to go to YouTube University and there's a guy, you know, with a handheld iPhone trying to change oil. You're like kind of turning your head, you know, trying to figure out what he's doing, and the lighting's bad. And this was like professionally shot inside, great lighting. You can see everything that's happening, and it's explained all along the way. So,
0: 2006, I had a little Sony handycam, and you know, the the internet was still growing, and there wasn't really much in the way of YouTube. I don't think so. Racer X, we we started filming. Sort of the uh, the races used to be on Sunday at the Outdoor Nationals, and we'd go on Saturday and film practice. And then make a little video and post it and there were so many steps involved in making that i can remember i went with davy and eric johnson to the hangtown race and I got back to my room at like four in the afternoon on Saturday, and those guys went out to dinner, and they came back in about eleven o'clock, and I was still working on this three-minute video, you know, because you've got to right. transcode it and make a FLV file and this and try and upload it. And It's just it became a lot of work, but over the years, it's obviously become a lot easier to produce that kind of stuff, especially with the advent of the iPhone and you know, obviously other phones that shoot videos. But it's so much easier to do that stuff now. So. Um, with this off-road underground thing i'm trying to bridge the gap between you know guy with smoking a cigarette changing in his dark garage you know changing something bike, right. and also not having everything be fully uh, tripod and professional lighting and that kind of stuff i mean the cameras are so good now i, I do use a uh, canon uh, mirrorless camera to shoot the video stuff and the qualities mm-hmm. So good these days, but I try and I try not to do like a step-by-step thing in a traditional sense where it's kind of boring, you know. So, like, right. I know, like I said before, I know Quinn and we sort of try to have a little bit of fun with it and I don't know yeah. make it a bit more, bit more entertaining because. But it's still a really long video. I think it's over twenty minutes.
1: Well, it would take me t- two hours to do it if I didn't have the twenty-minute video yeah. to watch. Right? right? Exactly. So. When we come back, hear about Simon's adventure as part of the Wyoming BDR team. Why is big bikes keep getting smaller and his future plans for off-road underground. Hey guys, it's Matt again. If you haven't been over to bulletproofdesigns.com, what are you waiting for? Bulletproof is an industry leading manufacturer of billet aluminum off-road protection guards and accessories from their world-class radiator guards to their new ADV rear disc guards. Bulletproof hard parts are purpose-built to protect your motorcycle. Lightweight, simple to install and made in the USA. All the bulletproof guards come with a lifetime warranty. Check them out at bulletproofdesigns.com. Let's talk about some some other things you're doing. I mean, you just um, right now, all I see all over social media is the, the Wyoming BDR mm-hmm. uh, premieres that are going, and and you are a part of that part of that trip. Tell tell us a little bit about uh, what you did on the uh, for the Wyoming BDR. Yeah, well,
0: that was um, that was a bit daunting. I mean, I mean, obviously, I'd been to India before, like I said, for ten or eleven days. But but this BDR thing, I hadn't. I didn't really know any of the people on it. I'd met Paul from Touratech before, and yeah, um, we we talked a little bit. But I didn't really know any of the people, so it's hard to be like put you in a group of ten or twelve people and. You don't know their skill level. You you know. Am I gonna be am I way too slow or am I gonna be okay? And then you've got all your all your gear, because we camp we camped at least half of the time on this on this I think it was ten or eleven day ride. And that was challenging because I got all my camera gear and now I've got all this camping gear and all this other stuff. And it's just I think one night I got out of my tent. I think the first night and it was freezing and I got a leg cramp when I got out of the tent and I'm just standing there trying to take a pee in the bushes and my (laughs) teeth were literally literally chattering and I'm like man what am I doing but so it was challenging you know and yeah the riding was um was really good I have to uh, you know we the way we had it set up was Sterling who's the the video videographer who's this really awesome guy that I got to know quite well on that trip he's a really great guy Uh, he had pre-run the course and put these little waypoints along that were maybe could be two miles apart or 15 miles apart depending on what was in between you know so we'd meet up with the group of the probably six people that were you know the models or whatever in quotes like Paul and Ina and some other people and uh, myself and Sterling the video guy and then we'd buzz ahead and we'd say okay we'll meet you at the next waypoint so between the, the waypoint we're at and the next waypoint i'd have to find something to shoot you know so right yeah you know that thing where you're like riding but you're looking around all the angles and you're looking behind you to see what it looks like because that's where they're going to come from so uh yeah it was definitely challenging um but i i had a lot of fun and as as the week got on i remember the first couple of days i'm like man this this'll be a long trip but as the days you know all of a sudden you're you know it's mm-hmm. like there's one day left and then you then you ride back you know
1: yeah it's uh i've heard it's it's the most remote bdr uh that they they've done so it sounds like you're out there and we we've ridden across uh, wyoming several times and so it's a big state i'm gonna do some
0: bdr stuff this year um just to go shoot photos and videos and stuff and uh, yeah sort of just just record that kind of stuff i want to i want to go to washington for sure I think that's gonna be great. You yeah. know, try and go to Arizona before it gets too hot, obviously, and then even do it. Even do an easy. I say an easy one out of Idaho because the Idaho BDR has got some
1: challenging stuff on
0: it. So yeah, um,
1: yeah, we, read, we be- read sections of that one in Washington as well. You know, I'm always impressed, uh, Jocelyn Snow, who I think was was a rider on that that trip. You know, you get on these forums, and and there are pages and pages about this bike or that bike and how high is the seat and you know this one's 32 inches and i'm six feet will i be able to you know and here's this woman who's barely five two and jumps on a 1250 and just goes
0: yeah i mean she's uh, pretty impressive neat neat yeah
1: person. what rides you have uh coming up you said uh you're heading down to baja uh what yeah. else is on the on the adventure calendar for you
0: um well we got the next few months planned out we're going to go to baja next week we've been down there a lot so we kind of know the area really well and we have some contacts down there and we know where we're staying so it's quite quite well planned out and you know I, i went to baja a lot when i was doing stuff with upshift you know it'd be easy to say oh baja again but you know let's face it baja if you live in california it's like it's right next door and it's not it's okay it's baja yeah but you think about somebody living in finland or australia or iceland and you're like Man, Baja, it's, it's, it's kind of got this mi- mystical uh, feeling about it. So we're going to go down there and, and shoot some stuff. The following month, we're going back to Costa Rica. Uh, last time we went, we were, we were riding small bikes with uh, with our buddies down there, um, UltimateRides.cr, that's those guys. My, okay, my buddy yeah. Blake down there, he's doing very well. And But this time, we're going to be on adventure bikes because sort of the the, the feeling from Alpine Stars is like they want to – promote their adventure bike gear. So, you know, we might, we might hop on a couple of small bikes and go for a ride for a couple of days. But uh, the main, the main focus is adventure bikes. And then April, we're going to go to Greece. There's a guy down there has a tour company called Mythical, uh, Mythical Routes, it's called. And um, we haven't actually met him. We've just communicated by email and uh, we're going to go, go ride with him and, he, you know, it's really good because a guy like that's like hey how can i get involved with alpine stars and what what do i need to do to buy gear for my tour company and so it's it's actually good you know Um, and these tour guys are very uh cognizant of getting getting their content to to show up uh, in different places so that people will be like like you say that they want to go ride there and now they've got somebody there to go ride with, you know, so that's good. And then some BDR stuff this summer. We're gonna go back to see our good buddy Schoolie from Ride with Locals in Iceland. I mean, this this guy's such a great character. And I've been again, you could say, Oh, we're going to Iceland again, but it's a fantastic place and there's so much to see and I think I think the content is is timeless, you know, you could you want yeah. it whenever.
1: But he Yeah, I, I watched some of that Norden nine oh one yeah, that's uh, like right? Yeah like holy cow that looks like a lot of fun
0: yeah well the last time i went there i was flying from boise to minneapolis to iceland and the boise to minneapolis flight was delayed so they knew i wouldn't make the connection so they're like oh we'll just come back tomorrow so i went back to the airport the next day i flew to iceland they it was it was in the morning when i got there they picked me up and then we got on our bikes and rode for like 11 hours i was (laughs) and it was freezing and the rain was going sideways and i'm just like oh man <laughs> we gotta stop and he's like oh it's 25 kilometers i'm like okay and i am looking at this the speedo the odometer i'm like okay we've gone 25 kilometers and we're still going and just over that next hill right yeah just you, over you, there. <laughs> you can see houses like way 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 in the distance i'm like oh that must be it and then you blow through that little town and <laughs> anyway yeah. but that the guy Schoolie, he's actually coming to baja with us so He's never been over here before to the state. Oh, that'll be and awesome. We're, we're taking him to Baja, and he's he's going to be on a six ninety, and going to be it's going to be quite a good time, I think, for him and for us. You hey know?
2: Simon, you mentioned a little while ago, um, you know, jump possibly jumping on some smaller bikes. I kind of wanted to, to jump into your progression as far as adventure bikes. You you've started going smaller and smaller. What's uh, what's the story there? From eleven ninety down to a seven hundred one now.
0: Well, I think the story is it turns out I'm not very <laughs> <pretty> good. So. <laughs>
2: No, I don't buy that for a minute.
0: No, no, it's it's um the guys I ride with are all better than me, but they're really good. So like, if I was just with average guys, I'd probably be okay. You know, like like the BBR rat Like us. Yeah, like Paul Paul from Touratech. That guy's an animal. That guy is really good, and you know, Ina can ride. I mean, those guys. And obviously jocelyn they all they all ride really well my buddy randy from maxima and then queen cody and my buddy scott Lanefield in idaho you know those Just guys worlds above, yeah those guys are amazing so for me it's challenging so yeah i went i went 1190 1090 890 and now i have a husky 701 and i am i got a raid garage tower on it and a raid garage auxiliary fuel tank which has made a huge difference so now you know, I'm carrying a lot of stuff and I'm stopping and starting all the time. And my buddy, Randy was like, Hey, you get off, get off the 890 because it takes you a while to find a good parking spot and then get off it and then get it balanced, you know? And the seven Oh one for me has proven to be a, a lot more manageable. And, um, I went riding last Tuesday with, with Quinn from KTM and, you know, he hits me up. I'm I was so tired. i I'd, I'd been riding Moab all the week, the week before. And, he hits me up Sunday. He's like, what are you doing Tuesday? I'm like, "Uh, I don't know. What am I doing Tuesday? So I met him out in the desert, and he was scouting a route through the desert for some KTM guys that are actually here this week now, and he's taking them out to ride that. But I kind of got the feeling that he had, he had me there as a guinea pig, you know, like, okay, if Simon, if Simon, if Simon, could do Simon can do these guys, be able to. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've done some R&D stuff with him. And he's. I'm like, oh, cool, man. Thanks for doing that. And he's like, yeah, I needed an unskilled rider's input. I'm like, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. But but I was able to ride everything on the 701. And there were some sections where I said to him, hey, if I was on an 890 right now, I, I wouldn't really be clearing this little rocky uphill or whatever, you know. So it's really given me a lot of confidence. Um, but... Having said that, you take it on the highway after about well, California traffic's a nightmare. Right. I would, I don't really want to go on the highway in California with that bike.
1: Right. But if
0: you're out cruising back roads somewhere in Idaho, it's going to be perfect.
1: How do you like that red garage? I mean, I I'm looking at uh, so I have five thousand dollars worth of aftermarket for an eight ninety that is yet to arrive. Yeah. So I I have on order. You know, Terry and I both have on order the twenty two eight ninety, yeah. and it's not not here yet. But it hasn't stopped me from buying all the aftermarket stuff to to put on when it gets here, and I'm really close to pulling the trigger on that that rally, yeah. Or it's one one piece carbon fiber, right? Yeah. Well,
0: it's funny because, like the the um, the eight ninety, that you know, obviously the eight yeah. ninety got a you know a tower of sorts and a yep. windshield and headlights and stuff. Whereas you know the seven hundred one, if you look at it in stock form, it has no kind of wind protection or anything, so. I needed something yeah. on that bike. If I had, if I'd have got a eight ninety, and I wanted to make it super cool. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd get a rate garage tower. Yeah. I mean, I saw a video that they put out like a week or two ago, this sort of beautiful studio photography of this new thing. And I'm like, man, Yeah, I saw thing. that as well. That's awesome. Yeah. They do some really cool stuff. Well, just Go going back real quick to the size of the bikes too. I mean, yeah. like this Baja trip, um, we went down to Baja last year and we were all on big bikes. Well, i say call them big bikes now like 890s um malcolm smith was down at one of the places he has a house down there on, on this bay my buddy scott was like he saw he's like hey malcolm smith's in there eating dinner i'm like all right let's go see him because i'd i'd ridden with him a long t- you know a long time ago with a, a msr I used to do a baja trip yeah. every year for the dealers so i got to know malcolm quite well and again it, it, it's funny because i didn't really know him from on any sunday in that because i never watched any of that stuff when i was a kid because growing up in england nobody could afford a dirt bike where i lived so it wasn't really part of the culture you know but i got to know malcolm and anyway we went to talk to him and he's like what bikes are you guys riding and we're like oh, eight he's like you guys should be on 500s down here you know it's too limiting on a big bike you can't you can't go up these sand washes and explore because you're on a giant yeah, bike, you're on a big you know? bike yeah unless you're right. again unless you're my
1: buddy, Randy,
0: or, or my buddy, Scott, Coddy, or Quinn Coddy, a, yeah. you know, guy, yeah, average guy. Yeah, Chris
1: Birch. Chris, Chris Birch has a pretty good shot of going up that. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's pretty
0: good. Yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <He's awesome. laughs>
1: well, Hey, you, you continue. I mean, offer it Underground is not only adventure bikes, it's, it's your MX stuff as well. And as a guy that has kind of his feet in, in both of those worlds. I mean, I, I watched a couple months ago, Ricky Carmichael, who I know you've, photographed a a ton over your career on the mx and and supercross side on the back of a a tiger 1200 putting it through the paces and and actually jumping that thing on a on an mx track is that is that the mx are those guys aging out and so they're saying look you know this is me moving towards more of the adventure scene or is that the industry saying gosh you know mx and and supercross had its its heyday in the 90s and and early 2000s but this adventure segment is growing and so maybe we need to kind of bring those people over i mean what's your what's your perspective on that
0: i have to say like over the past few years when i was living in idaho and i wasn't really immersed in the moto scene in california you kind of fool yourself into thinking that oh yeah motocross it's it's not really you know it's dying. Well, some somebody told me that they're like, "Oh, it's dying." I'm like, right. "Okay." And then you come down here and you go to Supercross or you go to uh, Fox Raceway on a Wednesday or whatever or Tuesday, whenever. And
2: it's as big as ever. There's
0: hundreds of people riding. Yeah, right. it's as big as ever. Um, and then obviously, you know, with COVID over the last couple of years, with movie theaters and gyms and shopping malls all closed, people got out to go ride. So I think there was a whole wave of new riders. Um, yeah to get to your point on like like moto moto guys sort of aging out i mean we all get to a point like i said earlier where you you don't you don't want to go to the track and drive away going man i suck today so i'd rather go ride my ride my dirt bike in the desert with my friends or in the single track in idaho and come back and feel like i accomplished something and feel like i'm i'm getting better every time i ride and learning stuff from people that have been doing it for a long time you know
1: yeah and I, I was in no way insinuating that ricky carmichael's getting old and can't ride mx anymore i mean he, well, he is getting old <laughs> okay no, but,
0: like he's a friend of mine i hope he hears this <laughs>
1: but, but but i think uh, uh, more to the point was that guys that were of his age and that followed him in that scene you know they're now seeing him on a tiger 1200 and going oh maybe that's my next my next bike and you know um lyndon poskett right who the car rally racer and, you know, races to places is, you know, the face of the Norton 901. And, you know, so you're kind of taking a, a generation that grew up watching these guys do, do rally racing or MX and, you know, now seeing them come over uh, and bringing a whole group of, of folks to a new category.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I mean, you know, Ricky's Ricky's deal with Triumph, I think, has been good for Ricky and for Triumph. You know, sure, he's, he's one. You know, he's the goat, right? The greatest of all time. Um, yeah. And he's his manager, JH Leal. is an awesome guy, and JH is always helping Ricky do the right thing. You know, his commentating stuff at Supercross has kept him in the limelight. Yeah. And you know, we 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 rode in Idaho with him last summer, and we were in the middle of nowhere, Locksaw Lodge, this cool little place with cabins, and we went in to get dinner and some little kid and his mom comes up and wanted Ricky to sign something, you know, and that's, you yeah, know, that was, that was like a, a little kid. Like he knew who yeah. like I was cause he watches Supercross. He, he may not have ever obviously Race, seen Ricky yeah. racing, but he still knows who he yeah. is now. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Ricky's Ricky's got it, got it dialed. And I think his relationship with Triumph's really good. Um, you know, the rumor mill that they've got a motocross bike that's, that's already in existence and an enduro bike that's already in existence, you know, um, yeah. I heard, I heard they had some dealers sign some non disclosures to not talk about or show photos of these bikes, you know. Um interesting. So I don't know if that's true or not, but it's right. just stuff you hear, right?
1: Well you, you think back at, you know, I, I I had heard, I don't know if this is rumor, maybe maybe you know, um, that, that you and McGregor and Charlie Borman wanted to do long way around on KTMs.
2: And I, I know the story. That KT, of that.
1: Do you do you?
0: Yeah.
1: Can you share it with us?
0: Uh, I think it's true. I mean, I was told okay. by by this by the man himself who was on the scene. So, my buddy Scott Harden, who's uh, we actually rode with two days ago in in the desert and took us out on these amazing rides for a couple of days because he knows that area like the back of his hand. And he's like, "Okay, we're gonna go here." And we had eighteen dudes trying to keep him in sight and follow his dust. But uh, yeah, Scott was Scott was at KTM at the time, and I think what he told me anyway is that they got a request to have these these actors um, ride their bikes on this global uh, stage and apparently scott was like these we're not ready yet like the bike you know if, if we have a problem with these bikes it's going to look really bad so we have yeah. to we have to pass right now that's what he told me like i say whether that's true yeah. or not um, it, I, I got no reason to doubt him cuz he was he was the guy that said it apparently so
1: <laughs> right yeah right well, it just, it, it just, it's such big things for, for that, that 1200. Uh, yeah. I, re- I mean, that was the aspirational bike. I mean, we, we you know, Terry and I i have said it a hundred times on this podcast, you know, started off on these little KLRs, you know, the, the KLR 650 is what I always say is it's the Honda Civic of motorcycles, right? Like it's, it's not going to get you anywhere fast, but it's going to, it's going to get you there. Yeah. Right. And right. so, so aspirational was this, this GS 1200 because gosh, it you know, been ridden around the world and, you know. Yeah. I mean, I uh, think. I I mean, we talked about Jocelyn Snow earlier, how
0: I have no idea how she rips so hard on that bike. We we were on, I don't know if they showed it on the BDR film, but we, there was a rocky section and I was like, all right. And I kind of committed to it on the wrong side and I dabbed and then I'm stuck in there and she goes right by me on the right hand side. Just this little tiny woman on this enormous bike with tons of luggage on just cruising past me. I was like, that's unbelievable.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, yeah, it was pretty. Yeah,
1: stressful. my my wife, who is is five four, uh, was just saying this weekend. She's like, gosh, you think I I could ride? You know, maybe start off on something small." And I was like, "Yeah, let me show you, Jocelyn." Yeah, yeah I mean, she you can do it. She's she does some absolutely amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, Simon, so, mean, one one of the things that I find fascinating as I kind of look back on on your history is your ability to to iterate your your profession. I, I meet so many people. And stay with me on this. I mean, so many people who are kind of locked into their jobs and they're like, man, I'd love to do something else. But, you know, I'm an accountant or I'm a lawyer or or whatever. As I read your story and and tell me if you agree with this or not. But I mean, you you were introduced to photography, you know, kind of in your in your teens. And then, you know, you saw the photographers at an F1 race and that like kind of linked that photography and motorsports. And then on a cross-country trip with your, with your wife, you know, you kind of saw the landscape piece mm-hmm. and, and, and the landscape and the photography. And it didn't all happen chronologically, but, like, you kind of put that together for the adventure side of things. And, and now you're kind of bringing it all together, you know, with OffRoadUnderground.com. And it, it's just impressive, as I read through that, that you kind of, you know, follow your, your head and your heart for your profession, uh, which you don't see very much these days.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've I've been incredibly lucky. I mean, I I don't take any of this stuff for granted. I mean, but you know, you, if you want to if you want to choose stuff that you want to do with your life, you got to take a few risks. And I think I've done that, you know. Um, um, but also, I mean, I get asked all the time, like, "Hey, how do I get to be a photographer at Supercross?" And firstly, I say, "Well, be careful what you wish for," because it's it's yeah. it's a grind, but there's no formula, you know, I, I met Eric Johnson from Racer X at San Diego Supercross, and I don't, I'm pretty, a little bit introverted, you know, I don't really go over and talk to people, I just, and let, you know, if somebody comes to talk to me, it's fine, but I'm not like the outgoing guy, so, you know, one day I I saw this guy, and I'm, I, I wasn't really at the races very much, and I'm like, I, I've seen that guy around, so I just went to talk to him, and turns out he's one of the editors at racer x he's like i'll oh, send us some of your stuff and we, we'll run it so i got i got my first cover at racer x from from that conversation and me and eric and davy are lifelong friends and um but but again there's you know there's no magic formula to it you know um i've been fortunate my wife's amazing cheryl and she, you know she's her and i have brought our kids up and you know obviously we're very proud of them and uh my son's 25 my daughter's twenty eight. And I am fortunate now to be at a time in my life where I've I've done a lot of hard work. Right, now I have a bit of freedom to to go and chase sort of this dream again, you know. And but, like I say, I don't take it for granted. It's still a business, and I still yeah. worry about like, okay, you know, <laughs> how's it going right. to be next month, kind of thing, you know. But yeah, I am I am very very lucky. But uh, the guy Randy Commons, who I talked about, I I've connected with Randy again on these trips, and like I worked in the mountain bike industry with him you know, 20 years ago, almost 30 years ago now, you know, and you start thinking about stuff when you, when you turn 50, Like before you're 50, you're like, ah, 50, it's just a number, but you turn 50 and then two weeks later, your back starts hurting. So (laughs) you start going, man, you start doing math in your head. and You're like, okay, 20 more years, I'm going to be 70. Okay. So, you know, you, you gotta, for me anyway, I'm not telling anyone what, what to do but for me it's like you've got to choose what you want to do with your life and after um my upshift experience ended um i wasn't ready to to put my feet up on the couch and do nothing and not not that yeah. i could you know but just i still i still got a lot of places i want to go and i and I, I, I i still want i still love photography and you know th- this moab trip we did last week was just amazing you know it was myself Randy, my friend Scott Lanefield from Idaho, uh Kelly from Trail tech. um this guy Travis, um from he has a um page called Every Single Sunday. I don't know if you follow okay. him or the guy's
1: the guy's awesome. Well, I, yeah. Yeah, and I know is it Randy Commons? Commons, yeah. At my 1090R, right? At my 1090R, yeah. And
0: Randy Yeah he's just a great guy you know and he's he's helped me through some tough times recently and i really appreciate that and he's gonna be going on a lot of trips with me this year and shooting photos and having fun really you know and i i mean you know it's really just hit home to me how lucky i am to be able to do that and um, um make make a living and travel and see stuff and um have the trust of these, uh, these clients that I have, these, these brands have them support me enough to trust me to come back and and deliver the goods every time, you know?
1: Yeah. I I think, you know, your, your work speaks for itself. I mean, it, it, it's amazing. It's beautiful, aspirational. Um, and I, every time I see your, your photography, especially your big bike stuff, you know, I immediately start thinking about the next trip. Um, but your longevity in, in the sport, I think even even speaks more to your character because you know just about everybody in this game, and it, you know the ability for you to turn a page in a chapter, and then have these resources for you to to call upon and and you know connect reconnect with, uh, in some ways is is really you know a testament to a a, a great career.
0: Well, I had a bit of a change of. A change of attitude recently too you know um so this Al- aligned media my friends mike emery and rich Shepard, that shoot the races you know I, i've talked to those guys a lot and i used to be when i was shooting the races it, you you're just in a competitive mindset all the time right there's all these other photographers and you're trying to do this and right and it's like i told mike and rich like like i really want them to succeed you know i have no yeah. because i've Backed myself out of it just enough. I I want them to do really well because I know how talented they are and how how much great work they do. I mean, I see some of the stuff that they shoot, like just just last weekend in Phoenix. It's insane how how good yeah. this stuff is, and I look at the photos. I'm like, no, if this was ten years ago, I'd be pissed. I'm like, man, that, that's <laughs> that's really good. Like, how, why didn't I shoot that? But now I'm like, right on, that's awesome. So I've it's been really good for me to look at other people's work now and appreciate it because when I was going to the races, I had to sort of block everything else out and just do my own thing because I just, I would just run out of bandwidth all the time because I had so much going on in my own head that I didn't have time to go look at these other magazines and other people's work. And Yeah, I was just doing my own thing, you know?
1: Well, be- before we let you go, I, um, you know, th- this podcast is really about the people uh, and their stories uh, that are, that are in this in this motorcycle space, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you how to get a good shot from my iPhone and make the hill look like it's actually the hill that I'm going up or down, and not you know some gentle slope, which is inevitable whenever I take a, a photo.
0: Well, um, unfortunately, there is no trick to that. Because um, we were <laughs> in the this weekend, and I shot some photos of my buddy going up this crazy hill with like a two-foot ledge at the top—something I would never even ride up—and he did it. And we looked at the we looked at the footage, and we shot it with a phone. Yeah, and he's like, "Man, it just doesn't look very steep, does it?" So I was like, <laughs> "I don't think there is a secret." A secret. Oh. Um, way of, of making that work. Um, uh, but the iPhones okay. are incredible these days. I mean, I, I, I don't have a 13, I have an iPhone 12 and it's great. I mean, I, yeah. I did the Iceland trip last year and I had a cat, a, a good camera in, in my pouch on the side to ride with, with the long lens on, but for like the sort of grab shots of like signs or like a wild horse by a fence. I I had the iPhone and I put it on the wide angle lens and shot with the a- Apple raw setting. So you can go okay. in and adjust it afterwards. Okay. it was It's incredible. Really good. And, and you know, for a digital magazine, it's perfectly adequate. And, yeah. you know, that's the one thing to talk about too, real quick is the, you know, social media has been fantastic for everything, but it's, it's a little bit disheartening sometimes for you to see this landscape. You spent a lot, a lot, a lot of time and money and effort, to go shoot and then it shows up as a two inch square on someone's phone and they just swipe past it you know and right that's that's difficult so you know when when i was at upshift having photos show up big in that is is was really nice to see and then now with off-road underground it's it's basically photo gallery driven so there's a gallery on there right now from photos from moab and yeah i was was on it yesterday yeah it's like hey we went to moab here's some photos not there's no like big story behind it um but I, editorially speaking, though, I did connect with um, Jesse and Sean from Cycle News, and yeah. they want to do some more adventure bike stuff. So they're going to run some of these stories, some of these trips that we do. Randy's going to write the words, and I'll do the photography, and they're going to be big big picture-heavy picture, picture heavy features, yeah. you know? So yeah.
1: uh, it's
0: well, that's really fantastic. good to connect with those guys. And I think Cycle News has a pretty big footprint. So um, For sure the clients that I shoot for are happy because their stuff's going to show up in cycle news now. So it's all sort of this circle that, you know, every, everyone's happy. So it's good.
1: Well, Simon, it's been a pleasure having you on the adventure motorcycle USA podcast. I really appreciate you coming on. I'll put links to the off road or offroadunderground, uh dot underground.com and Instagram offer road underground uh, on our website for folks to, to check out.
0: Yeah, appreciate. Uh,
1: and, and if you, if you'll permit me, we'll, we'll put a few of your photographs up there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Matt and Terry, I I really appreciate it. That was a lot of fun. And uh, I'd love to come back again sometime and talk to you guys again.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Adventure Motorcycle USA podcast. For more information about this episode, or to learn more about Adventure Motorcycle USA, please visit AdventureMotorcycleUSA.com.